Hey, everybody, and Alicia, and everybody. Uh, I'm also everybody. Yes, you're also included with the everybody, but you're also separate, so you get your <laughs> own shout out um, along with everybody else. So, hey, what's up? What's up? How you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, been a little while, huh? Kind of, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Good. Cool. So you're not tired anymore, right? Like, or no. are you? No, okay. no, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I caught up from daylight savings time. I don't know about you, but. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I, usually that makes people more tired when you lose that hour. Yeah. But it's, uh. I kind of threw my schedule off, but it's all right. We're there. We're ready to go. <laughs> good. Um. Yeah. Well. Um. I'm sure the f- number one question on everybody's mind is, wait a second, is it Monday? <laughs> no, it's not Monday. You're not crazy. We're doing this on a Tuesday because, um, well, actually, because yesterday was my son's John John Paul's birthday. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we were celebrating it. So we figured we'd move it to today. Um, we started a little bit late, a little bit crazy because you might be able to tell I'm in a different room than I normally am. I got kicked out of my other room. Um, part of John Paul's birthday gift was a bunk bed and I had to clear all my stuff out of the big office cause it's a bigger room and, uh, he likes to sleep with Elizabeth and Anna Marie in their room. And now we're going to kick Gabriel out of, uh, he's kind of in our room, but our room is really cool. It's, uh, we have a master bedroom, but then there's a, there's a little hallway that leads to another like hidden room and it's, um, Ooh, a hidden room. <clears throat> yeah, it's actually fairly large it's probably like i don't know like eight feet by nine feet or something like that and so we just have his crib and changing table in there and a rocking chair and then like it's a little set of shelves that go from the floor all the way to the to the you know ceiling that just has like his clothes and stuff like that um so it's a cool nursery but he's about to be two so he's getting kicked out and i'm gonna make that like a reading room or something until the next baby comes um, and then, uh, and then I'll get kicked out of my own little <laughs> thing there again. Um, but now I got kicked out of my office and into this room and n- nothing's set up yet. It's all nuts. Um, you can't see how crazy it looks in here. And then my one laptop was crapping out on me and I had to go get another laptop and I dropped a phone on my toe and it hurt. So things are a little, so anyway. Speaking of, speaking of being on another laptop, um, I can see this. I don't know if our audience members can see this, but I love that you're in the room with our lady on the oh, wall. Yeah. Is there any way that you can get her in the picture? Uh, let's see. Yeah. You're talking about that right there. Oh, look, yeah. yeah. I didn't even see. Is that, and it, is she's that John, uh, Paul? John Paul II, Pope John Paul II. That's right. And uh, he's just like praying. I like and that. She's right in front of him. Yeah, it's actually really... Uh, this has been in here. Uh in John Paul's room because, you know, we named him John Paul after Pope John Paul and we love that picture. So, but he never really made use of this room. So, uh, anyway, whatever. Happy birthday to him. <laughs> Little John Paul. Uh, That's actually a great segue, I think, into one of our two topics today, talking about your kids and... Wait, before about- you get on a two-wheeled little device that'll take you around the mall i i heard a little birdie which is you told me that you closed on your house right oh that's right yes we were gonna talk so, about that um, um congratulations thanks and it's from, empty <laughs> <laughs> no well I, need to, I need to move into it normally 
when you buy a house, you want it to be empty. Well, actually, funny thing. Um, it was actually not empty because the seller that I bought it from uh, was moving into a senior living community. And so she sold me a lot of her furniture. So it's actually not, I didn't buy an empty house. So which is it then? Because you said it was empty and now you're saying it was Okay, it's so it's mostly not empty. empty. Okay. My stuff isn't in it, but the new furniture that I just bought is already in there and I didn't have to move it in there. So that's great. Um, well, congratulations to your empty, non-empty house. Uh, that's actually a really exciting time. I, um, I love buying houses. It's weird. I know. I've only bought two. I would like to buy more and sell and whatever, you know, because I like houses and I like money. <laughs> Sorry. That's, uh, actually that was a quote sort of from, um, Billy, no, Billy Madison. The one where he's trying to, uh, Adam Sandler, I think it's Billy Madison, where he's trying to get a job. Uh-oh. You hear oh, the no. crying? That's not, that's not good. Hold on a second here. Let me, let me get rid of the evidence. See? I'll get rid of all the evidence. I, <laughs> I muted the microphone. Um, all right. So, anyway. Um, so, I uh, was, uh, the movie quote, right? Madam Sandler, he's like, I like money and I... Oh, he's interviewing for a job. He's like, well, what do you want the job for? And he's like, well, I like money. I have a little bit on my on my refrigerator and a little jar, jar and I'd like to get more. Be, and that's where you come in. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so go ahead and get back on your little scooter segue. Yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, um, well, I mean, actually two reasons. Because you were talking about your kids. So there's fatherism. I'm calling it that. There's some fatherism for you, but also there's some fatherism off to Marcus's right that has probably since been cut off a little. But anyway, we've mm. got we've got um Saint John Paul the second. John Paul the Great. Because you said fatherism to my right. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, there. <laughs> <laughs> so what what our audience doesn't know is that I have kind of a wider screen and so I can see more of Marcus's um background than you guys can. Yeah, that is um, so anyway, the there, there's our lady, and and John Paul the Great is overlooking Marcus's shoulder, kind of. Anyway, um, so with those two bits, I'll let Marcus. I'll let you introduce our two topics. Well, they are two different topics, while they are one and the same, um, and that's sort of the trickery of the um, advertisement here. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's like the uh. We call it it's the wordplay here. Uh, the topic is called uh, the importance of fatherhood in the church, and there's sort of two different angles to that. Which is that uh, one, the kind of obvious, you know, importance of fatherhood in, in the household, uh, having a mom and, and a dad, and a, not just having a dad, but a dad who's, who's really involved, and you know, those things. We'll talk about that a little bit, but that also plays into something that I think a lot of people have questions about regarding the Catholic church, which is the fact that we call our priests father, that we have priests for one thing, um, which can be odd to non-Catholics. I, I get that. Um, but even more so to non-Catholics and, you know, specifically Protestants um, who have an issue with the fact that we call our priests father. And so um, somebody's, like clawing on the door outside here. 
it's crazy. I guess Tuesdays are like the, maybe they've gotten used to like Mondays, like, oh, it's podcast day. Let's just act kind of <laughs> crazy. And then Tuesdays, it's like, well, it's not podcast day. Well, what's the problem? Why can't we scream? So um, anyway, but um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, those two sort of go hand in hand because uh, in the family at home, we all, we recognize the need for, for father. Uh, e- even Protestants, right, will agree with us uh, about that, the importance of uh, fatherhood in the home. But as Catholics, we also believe that that translates into, you know, the, or that, that helps to explain some of the seemingly odd things about the Catholic Church and our priests who we call father. So I'm sure you've, you've gotten this uh, question or somebody posed this to you before. They say, wait a second, why do you call your priests father? The Bible says, call no man father for you have one father in heaven. Have you encountered that sort of situation? Uh, I'm surprised scenario? how much I have not gotten that question, but I have gotten it a little bit. Yes. So um, it, it's, it's more of a question of you know why why do you call them father where is that coming from um i'm not getting the question as much um in terms of that verse um which is i want to say it's in the gospels but i don't remember matthew Um, 23 9 so if you want me to read it i'll read it here it says uh well hold on i thought i had it just kidding well, I clicked on the thing that said it was going to show it to me. And it just I'm going to read this. Uh, so Matt, Matthew 23, 9 uh, says, And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. So that's the exact quote there. So um, part of my answer that I like to give is that uh, the early um, the early followers, so... Um, Judaism, as it was, called um, Abraham father. So there's mm-hmm. that. Um, and then there's another verse that um, can be used to refute that in um, one of St. Paul's letters. Um, is that ringing a bell with you? Uh, in St. Paul's letter? Um, yeah, them. you're talking about where he's talking to uh, Timothy and he says, uh, I am your father in uh let's see easy to look up this is like a <laughs> totally catholic thing we're just no i don't know <laughs> I, I mean yeah it sounds familiar it i know it's paul but i don't know the exact verse oh we'll yeah. just look it up um yeah so it's, it's um i'm gonna do a little plug while you're pulling that up um i have this little bible cheat sheet that i usually keep in my bible um and in my car and i would have one in my purse that i like it basically has these kinds of verses around like where can you find the Eucharist in the Bible, um, where can you find confession in the Bible, um, those kinds of things. And I just don't happen to have it with me right now. Um, so I can, I can post that later on where to get one of those. Cause it's like a dollar online and it's laminated and I just fold it up and put it in my Bible where you can make one yourself. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Actually. Um, I normally don't, um, I mean, it. Uh, it's a great idea to have that stuff. I usually don't have, uh, how do I say it? I'm not armed with 
uh, ammunition that I, I usually throw back at people. And the reason for that is, you know, and I, I recognize that, you know, there's, there's a good need for, um, you know, you should be always able to defend your faith. I think that sometimes though we get a little caught up in making sure that we have the, the right weapons or the right ammunition to shoot back at others. Um, for one thing, I really think it's important to help people understand the why behind things, you know, the reasoning, the purpose, um, because there's there's so many different scripture passages that if we just throw them one back at, e- at the other, um, then I don't think anybody's really, sometimes, you know, we can get into a situation where we're not really listening to each other, right? Um, like, you know, for example, um, if you're talking about, okay, so the Bible says, don't, call no man your father. And you're like, oh, yeah. But they called Abraham, uh, Father Abraham. Perfect and they're like, example. yeah, but that's different because that was, you know, Father Abraham. Well, so I think for me, the the fruit really comes from understanding what the person's problem with, you know, the, the or what their issue is with, uh, you know, any particular thing like, you know, calling no man father. So um, if I could say like, all right, well, I get it, you know, based on that passage there, I can understand where you're coming from, right? So, any time that you're engaged in any kind of apologetics or, or just a regular discussion with a friend or a family member, uh, it's important to not start off with a war of words where you're like, you know, oh yeah, well you think you have the proof? Well, let me show you the proof. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bury you with like five or six passages. You know, look, not to say that again, you you know, having that stuff wouldn't be helpful if you use it the right way. But if you pull out your little you know, cheat sheet thing like, oh, look at this. You know, right, I just happen right. to have this little laminated cheat sheet for <laughs> this exact scenario because I knew you were you were coming and I'm, you know, um, you using the cheat sheet correctly where you're like, okay, well, yeah, yeah I'm, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, like I can understand from your side how that would come off. You know, like if I was, uh, if I wasn't Catholic and I saw, I just saw Catholics calling their priest father and I saw this passage or I saw, or I heard from some kind of apologetic uh, Protestant apologist that, you know, said like, this is why, this is one of the markers, you know, how you can tell that the Catholic church is defunct because they call their priest father, but yet it says here, call no man your father. Well, um, then I would say, well, I, I can understand how you would come to that conclusion and, and you know, say, wow, that obviously they're, they're, you know, they're the ones that are being called out here in the Bible. Um, so, however, you know, if I can show you kind of, you know, why it is that we call father, um, you know, like uh, give me a chance to kind of explain things to you a little bit. You know, first of all, if we took it from the literal sense where if we were to say that, you know, you should never call another man father because, uh, you know, the Bible says call no man father because you have only one father in heaven. Um, then would it be the case that we should never ever have an instance of where we call any man father? So our biological father mm-hmm. is that? Does that violate, you know, the call no man father rule? And obviously, you know, most Protestants who are, you know, largely are probably American, you know, um, recognize that other cultures, you know, uh, might have other uh, tendencies or whatever, but. It's very common for American Protestants who would believe that, you know, you should call no man father talking specifically about priests. They call their own father's father, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
you know, I would first start off with that. Like, does that, does that violate the rule? And you know, you're likely to get a no. And that's because it's common practice. Uh, the, the other, you know, part of that is if we look up in Matthew 23, uh, the context, he, had, he didn't just say, call no man father. He also said, uh, as I bring it up here, I thought the internet was going to be as fast as me. Uh, but here we go. Um, so he also says, call no man rabbi or, or teacher, because you have one teacher and you're all brothers. And say, so, wait a second, we, we have, we call people teacher in elementary and middle school and high school. So, are we violating that rule by calling others teacher? Um, so I think the situation is if we can help people to understand that in the context of what Jesus is talking about, um, he's, he's trying to, you know, get across this idea um, that, or, or he's trying to combat the, the problem that people try to place themselves sometimes before God, Right. They try to be a wedge between a person's relationship and God. And if that's something that Protestants are worried about, then we we would stand right next to them and say, hey, I'm with you. Like, nobody should get in the way of you and God by becoming your, your ultimate master, your ultimate, you know, teacher, your ultimate father um, in that sense, right? And I get I get the sort of... Um, how do I say like the, the concern there, because from the outsider's perspective, I can understand how it, you know, Catholics, what we do looks weird, right? We have these people who are not our biological fathers and yet we call them father. So I think that is where the confusion is. That's where the issue is for many people is that it's foreign to them. And this is something that we as Catholics can help them to understand we are not placing them in a place, uh, in, a, in an authority or place of honor that is above God. They are representatives of God, much like a pastor, you know, would be for a Protestant church, uh, and much like a father is supposed to be in the home for their children. And so, what we believe as Catholics is that we are part of the family of God. You know that. Um, as God, you know, as uh, Jesus says in Matthew 23, you're all brothers, right? Uh, when they call him out and they say, hey, your your mother and your brothers are outside. And he says, who are my mother and brothers? The people who were listening to me and who, who do the will of God. Those are my, that's my mother and my brothers right there. Mm-hmm. We're all a part of the family of God. And in that family of God, you know, Jesus is is the head, uh, but he's also called the the groom. You know, he is the husband and we are the bride. So, the the Bible and the church uses this language of family, uh, you know, to to indicate the type of relationship that we all share with each other. And in any family, you need a father, you know, someone who who sits in that place of of leadership, who sets the tone um, and the rhythm, um, who is a protector and defender, uh, but ultimately also who is servant, you know. So uh, before I let me let me uh, detract for just a second and uh, acknowledge Latrell, who is probably our most loyal uh, contributor. So Latrell, I always I always appreciate the fact that you join in, um, and not that you just join in, but you always you know um, make yourself known yeah, and yeah comment and ask questions. And so I, I appreciate that. So Latrell says, 
I'm just going to show it there to everybody. There you go. Part of the RCIA team, and we do get questions about that. It is part of the teaching we do on the hierarchy and holy orders. And here's where I think um, people ultimately have an issue. And this is what something maybe you and I can kind of talk a little bit about today, Alicia, because I'm really, I'm very interested to know your thoughts and feelings and, you know, maybe what kind of journey you've had in this area, um, whether or not it's been a struggle for you, um, or if this is, you know, never really been, it's always been a non-issue. But I think, and this is kind of just my personal opinion here. I think one of the reasons why this is an issue for people, Protestants, or just non-Catholics in general, when we when they look at Catholics and they see that we we call these priests father, you know, we have this affection for them and we we treat them with you know sort of honor. They have um, like a sort of a dignified position to uh, to many people. You know, the way people talk about them, you know, oh, my priest and oh father, whatever. I, I think one of the reasons why they have issues with that is because we have an issue in our culture in our in our families a lot of us come from broken families a lot of us have issues we don't have close relationships with our fathers even though uh, even those of us who have a father um sometimes you know it's it just it seems like it's all too common um that <clears throat> you know we might ha- have a like affectionate intimate relationship with our fathers you know they're there and they work and you know uh, my, my father and my grandfather his dad um <clears throat> he had a father his whole life, but his father didn't tell him that he loved him for 36 years. Uh, not that he didn't love him. <clears throat> he did. Right. I mean, he took care of them and, and he showed his love and um, how he worked and took care of them and bought them, you know, or paid for the house and bought them food and all that stuff. But <clears throat> he wasn't a man who showed emotion or affection or, or those kinds of things. And my, and I, I know my, my dad, you know, uh, lacked in that area, desired that. And and that was something that he had to work through or what have you. But I think that's kind of the, to me, what's going on in the culture is that if, if we had like, if closeness with our fathers and deep respect for our fathers, you know, was a, a natural, you know, just automatic thing, then it wouldn't be so hard to see that. Oh, like, Oh yeah. The priest is a father and he sits in that, in that place. You know, we, we even, probably what I said a little while ago would be very controversial to people. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to, uh, who hearing that would probably want to debate me on whether or not a father has that, you know, role of, of being leader and, um, set in the tempo and as well as being the servant at the same time. Uh, because I know, you know, we have this, uh, all this gender, you know, fluidity stuff going on or whatever. To me, I think that is the crux of what is, you know, the the issue that people have with uh, priests being called father. Uh, in other words, I think we need to solve what we got going on in our hearts with our own, you know, family structure. Um, and then it just, it would be that much easier to then, you know, take on the, oh, well, you know, that's why we call priest father, that it makes sense, you know, because of the role that they play. And uh, anyway, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but I want to pass it to you and see what, what your thoughts are. I like that you talked about um, right at the beginning, one of the things you said was that the passage also says, call no man or no one rabbi teacher. And um, we do have teachers, professors, and we, and we call them that, but also something um, that I wanted to point out was um, Christians, no matter what denomination they are, refer to 
other people. So me talking to you or you talking to me, we call each other, you know, brothers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, so in that sense, we are a family. And as the leader, it makes sense that we call the priest father. Um, and so that's how I grew up. Whenever I was just growing up, it just, it just made sense to me. This is our leader. We call him father. I mean, if we, if we called him rabbi, I could, I could see how that um, could also make sense. Um, to your point, also, um, it also says, call no man master. And what most people don't know is professors who, you know, if they have a PhD, or we call them doctor, or even medical doctors. Um, the word doctor comes from Latin, which means master. So, Just drop the truth bomb on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I just, I grew up thinking that that made sense. And so when people started to ask me questions, um, even if they weren't in-depth questions, it just, at first I kind of shrugged it off, like, it just, it is what it is. And then, uh, you know, when you get questions enough, you, you start to wonder, well, why? Um, so I wasn't really passionate about that topic for a while until I just got asked about it enough that I wanted to look it up. Um, and that that is in turn why I started carrying those little sheets around. It was really for for my knowledge. I mean, it's, it's great if anybody asks you the question, but Stuff like that just just helps you learn. It's kind of like having your own flashcard. Kind of yeah. Thing. I by the way, I didn't mean to like you know. No, no. Be down I'm on glad, what you're saying. I'm glad you brought that up because there are people who, and I I used to consider myself one of these people, and I think that you do too. That I wanted to find the answer just to be Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Um, and so it it that needed to be said. Um. By the way, you can still see me just fine, right? <clears throat> yes. Okay, because it looks like on the screen that I can see which is what I think people can see. Um, it looks like my screen went black. So no, you look, I can still see you. Okay, good. Um, Latrell, if you are still around or somebody, um, can Let you tell me if... Mark. Oh, nope, I just saw... Well, I'm looking at um, Facebook, and, and the feed is a little bit behind, but my picture's still out there, so I'm going to assume that I'm still good to go. Yeah, I think you are. Anyway, um, you also made a comment about having, I think, we as the lay people struggle with and this is coming from me right um struggle with having like what if we have issues with our own um family you know how do we how do we connect with someone who we're calling father if if we don't have a strong paternal um relationship so um that's important and i think sadly it's becoming more and more of an issue. So um, it, I think that's when this becomes a really personal topic. Um, how can we call someone father um, when we can't <clears throat> yeah. relate to that? So I've, I've pointed that out. Actually, I used to, um, I believe, you know, and this is, this is kind of a, <clears throat> it, it's a, it's a loose relationship. I mean, I, I, I believe it's a very you know, tightly, you know, close relationship. Uh, but from the perspective of like data, you know, trying to, to, to back this up is a, um, you know, I, I'm just going to throw it out there as a, as a thing I believe to be very true. However, you know, anybody could say, well, you know, you could, those two things could be totally unrelated, but you know, I believe that. I'm going to plug my computer <clears throat> in, but I'm listening. Oh, you mean to like the wall? Like to get yeah, charged? Okay. My battery's dying. I got gotcha. you. Um, so I believe that, you know, right after the 
sexual revolution, uh, you know, the, uh, the number of atheists in, in the world has risen dramatically. I think a lot of that, you know, my hunch and my very strong hunch, I'm pretty sure that this is, this is right. But again, like as far as like backing it up scientifically, you know, whatever, I guess we'll have to see if, you know, if there's any kind of studies or, or, uh, um, question, what do you call the surveys or whatever, um, that actually go after finding out how many people don't believe in God simply because of this. But I believe that it has a lot to do with the breakdown of the family because of what you said, right. Is, um, I've said this in, in many talks before, you know, uh, I think when, when a priest or a pastor says, God is your father, well, that doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. You know, somebody who grew up with a very loving, caring father, a very involved father, one who, um, you know, demonstrated the example of, you know, how to, how to uh, like a strong faith and, and, you know, um, how to be a, a man or, or, you know, um, how to expect the kind of love of a man if, you know, if it's for his daughters or whatever. Uh, the kind of respect that they deserve and those kind of things. If they didn't have, if they had that, then I think when they hear God is your father, then they instantly make that connection that says, you know, wow, that, okay, I get it. You know, that means, that means that God is loving and he's faithful. He's always there. He's, you know, he protects me. He, you know, wants the best for me. And, and he also will, you know, spank me or, you know, whatever, get mad at me when I, when I'm out of line. So, um, on the other hand, if somebody, you know, here's God is your father. And to them, the, the word father is something that incites pain, you know, or anger or whatever. Then that's not really like a, that's not a, a very appealing statement, I guess. Right. Um, and I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why a lot of people have, you know, issues with, with believing in God uh, because, if like that's the selling point of Christianity that, you know, God is your father, well, that's not a really good selling point for people who they don't feel like that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that uh, we don't have an issue with calling um, priests father. I don't think, I don't think that that's what Protestants really, I mean, I, I recognize that if they read the, that, scripture passage and you know and then they kind of like think about it or or if they hear like um you know like chick tracks or whatever or they see those little cartoons that that demonstrate like this is why roman catholicism is you know the uh um the antichrist or whatever um then i, I can understand you know being fallen fallen into that trap but i can't really see that you know people who logical logically thinking people you know um smart people who read that would then say like, oh my God, you know, like these Catholics, yeah, they're definitely going to hell because look at, you know, they do that. And then if you say, well, yeah, but I mean, don't you call your dad father or whatever? They're like, mm -hmm. yeah, but that's not different. Like, I, I can't honestly see that they wouldn't look at that and be like, wait a second. Yeah, something's wrong. Maybe, maybe I don't understand exactly what's going on in that passage. Um, I think more of the time they just, they feel like there's this, this, you know, danger with, uh, you know, treating them as a father, mm -hmm. because we, when we look at God and, you know, some of us, uh, who are in the church who believe in God, um, and believe God is a father, we don't treat him like a father 
who is loving and intimate and close and all of those things. We have him as his like way out in the stars, like grumpy old man with a big beard who is just like ready to strike as soon as you make a mistake kind of father. Right. Um, again, which gets to what I was saying earlier. Cause you know, like some people like maybe they are atheists because uh, of that kind of idea that, you know, broken family, you're telling me that this is the family of God and God is a father. Well, whatever. But there's some people who remain, who are still Christians, but their idea of father is broken. Right. And so, um, again, like it just, when you, when you say that priests, you know, are, are standing in the person of Christ, meaning that they're like representatives, you know, they're there to, um, tend to the flock, just like a pastor does, or this is the same terminology, right? The, the priest, you know, has a flock. Um, the priest, we also call them pastor. So if, if you didn't know that, if you're Protestant, um, Catholics also call our parish pastor, you know, the, um, not all the priests at a church would be a pastor, but, um, we also call them pastor because they are a pastor of the flock. Um, you know, that it's just, it's easier to think of them as, as a pastor, because as a father, that means that we need to have an intimate relationship with them. And some of us have an issue with that. We don't want to have an intimate relationship with our father or with a father because we didn't have that, you know, but again, for, for those who had that closeness and that, you know, strong and gentle yet firm disciplinarian father, um, when their priest gets on them and is like, you know, you shouldn't be, no, you, you know, stop sinning or whatever. Then like, it's, they're not going to run away from the church because they're like, well, that's what a dad's for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, if a, if a priest is just a jerk and he's never has the gentle and sweet and loving and affectionate side, well, then, you know, I can understand that. Um, not all our priests are, are the best people. We recognize that too, but they still have that role. And that's still something that we need to respect because, uh, in this family of, of God, we need a father, just like at home, you know, we need a father, uh, for certain things, but how would you, um, I guess, how would you handle that? The, uh, issue that, you know, or I guess the question, you know, do we, do we really need a father? What is a father needed for either in the church, you know, or, uh, at home, like, you know, for example, why can't we have women priests? Well, to answer your first question, I think that if you ask anybody who, well, let me, let me start it this way. Um, for somebody who doesn't have parents at all, whether that be an orphan or even look at people who I know of people who were adopted and they just have this yearning in their heart to know who their parents are. It's a part of them. Um, we are designed to want that guidance because we are designed family style, um, as I'll call it. So, um, looking for a father is, is not, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we're designed to crave that. And so God actually built that into our lives. So whether you're Catholic or not, um, you're looking for that leadership somewhere. Um, so when, let, let's say you're, you're Protestant and you go to, um, whatever your church service is. And when you're there, um, someone's at the front leading you. Um, so you want that kind of leadership that, that 
pastorship. What's the uh, word? I don't know if that's a word, but I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> as long as everybody's following me. Um, anyway, so I think that the fact that we call them that is also a craving for our design to have that fathership. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So you're, you're hitting, I think it on the head, right? Is that, um, I think all of us recognize that we absolutely need a father. Those who, uh, you know, don't have a father or never had a father, even though they've never experienced the love of a good father, somehow they still miss it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is funny because normally you don't miss something that you don't have. Right. Like I didn't know when I was, uh, 12 years old that, you know, we our TVs were horrible and that, you know, 4k TVs were really what we needed. Um, cause I never had one before. Mm -hmm. Uh, but somehow everybody knows that they miss the love of a father, even if they never had it. Um, so, we are, uh, we've been watching uh, Diane and I, This Is Us lately. Have you seen that show? I have not. I know. It was like that <laughs> but, thing. Like, I kept hearing everybody talk about but it. If, yeah, but if, if I said that I hadn't heard of it before, then I would be living under a rock. So um, my, my roommates watch it, so I've definitely seen little bits and pieces, but I'm not. <laughs> so uh, many people watching this show right now are probably like, she's crazy. How can she not watch this? Anyway. I never watched I mean, we didn't have... TV, um, and I recently got YouTube TV, um, and we just, it was, it's on there. So I was like, you know, we yeah. gave it a shot and we loved about. it. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Val says we, she loves it, but I mean, I'm, we're only like seven episodes in two and I know that they're already like, uh, near the end of the second season or whatever. So yes, us two Val were, were, um, behind on it, which I don't, who cares? Cause it's still, it's new to me. Like I don't follow what people are saying about the latest episode or what have you. But anyway, um, I thought it was, a, it's a really, really, you know, good show. It's, there's a lot of, you know, kind of heart wrenching, you know, emotional, uh, parts of the show. But, um, but I think the coolest thing is that, uh, they follow one of the characters that they follow, uh, is, a is adopted. They follow a family. And so, one of the characters is adopted and from the very beginning, you know, he, uh, he was on a journey to find his father. He finds his, you know, biological father and he's trying to build a relationship with him. And, um, anyway, and I just thought that it's, it's really interesting because he had great parents. He had parents who really loved him, who really took care of him, gave him everything he needed to, you know, be happy and have a successful life. And yet he still had this like, yearning this ache to know who his his real father was you know to meet him to and, and he had this like even though he had a, an awesome life he still you know felt like I, he missed out like you know um he wondered what it would have been like had he had his father never given him up and he had grown up with him um and so i think that's kind of like to your point you know the that it's a it's a universal desire mm -hmm. everybody wants to know that love of a father. And I think that desire is put into us because it's supposed to be symbolic of the ultimate desire that to, you know, for the ultimate father. And that's what Matthew 23 is actually trying to point out. Uh, right. Is that we know that very often he would, he would get on the, um, you know, the Jews at the time, the Pharisees, you know, who 
they had taken their power and they had elevated. They wanted everybody to to sort of treat them like gods. You know, they took the places of honor. Um, they, uh, you know, they they were they had the nicest stuff. You know, they were not servants. They were the people who everybody's you know was looked supposed to look to with great respect and you know dignity. And they're the holy ones or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, so we know often that Jesus was trying to take them down a peg because their job was to be servants and to um, to be an image of who God was to the people. And yet they had twisted it. They had distorted it. And essentially, you know, instead of being like a mirror that's turned to an angle where when people look at them, that mirror shot straight up into the sky and reflected God to them, uh, they had, you know, essentially taken the mirror away and allowed the gaze to fall upon themselves. They had made themselves the ultimate teachers, themselves the ultimate, you know, father, right? And that's what Jesus was was getting at here is that, uh, you know, people don't understand is that idols are normally good things that, you know, turn into bad things mm-hmm. when we try to make them God. So a little statue, for example, uh, and this is something that, that you know, uh, Catholics, you know, sometimes get, uh, people get on Catholics for, right? Little, little statue that we might have in our home or what have you. A little statue is a, is nothing. I mean, it's like a, it's material and materials fine. Like plastic's good. You know, there's a lot of good applications for plastic, um, stone, wood or whatever is, they're all good things. God, everything that God made is good. Those things themselves may be fine. You know, they could be good unless they're obviously, unless there's, you know, carved into some images of blasphemy or something like that. But the material itself is good and there's nothing wrong potentially with the image. But how people utilize the image is really where the issue comes in, right? So if somebody, for some reason, believes there to be power inside that thing and, you know, tries to make that thing into God somehow, which is which is really kind of an odd and, and uh, not impossible thing, but a rare thing, right? Very, I think very rarely nowadays do people actually look at tiny little objects and think that those objects have the power to do miraculous things. Um, although, no, I, I mean, I get, you know, the relics and, and all those things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about miraculous things aside from God, right? Like God won't give me that good job. So I'm going to take this thing, you know, and I'm going to let this thing, you know, do its magic and, and get me that job or whatever. A good, a good, um, a good example is a Ouija board, right? Mm-hmm. So, when people believe that a Ouija board will give them a message, you know, like people, they like to get them, scare themselves and stuff with it. Um, but when they actually believe that that thing itself can channel, you know, um, demons or the, or the devil or whatever to give them a message from hell, like that kind of stuff is, um, you know, that's where the, the blasphemy comes in. That's where an idolatry could come in. But here's another thing that people don't really recognize. And this is what really is more prevalent when it comes to idolatry for, us in our, on our, you know, modern times, um, idolatry is when we make of something that's to point us to God, when we allow, or we try to make that thing itself into God. For example, as a married person, you know, my wife and I, we love each other, but if I try to make her my actual everything, if I stop at her, you know, and she becomes God to me, 
where, you know, I don't need church and I don't need God because I have her, uh, you know, that if I feel like God is calling me to something and, you know, um, I'm trying to please my wife by doing something different or what have you, um, then at that point, when I elevate her importance above God, or, you know, when I try to make her give me everything that I need to be happy, I crush her under the weight of, you know, uh, yeah, of trying to make her God because she can't be God for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that itself is a form of idolatry, you know, video games or computers. My career can be an Mm -hmm. idol if what I'm doing is I'm trying to suck out of that all that I need for my happiness, all that I need for, you know, my faith and all of that stuff, right? That more commonly, I think, itself is uh, is idolatry. And I think, help me run me, because I, I, I went so far off the track that I, I forgot why I brought up the... Uh... Well, you were comparing it to um, calling uh-huh. a priest father. Um, if you yes. actually create oh, a oh, yes. father, right. exactly. there you go. <laughs> right, thank you. See, this is why... I need you here. So exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're right. Exactly. This is, this is what, what um, Jesus was, was trying to get at that, you know, we have so many things that he gave us that are meant to point us to him. And those things very often, the most powerful things, the things that have the most power to point us to God are the things that become idols for us. Sex is a big thing, right? This is uh, something that, uh, you know, John Paul II spent, uh, five or six years from whatever nine. Uh, I don't. I think it's like six years. Anyway, so he spent like six years every Wednesday delivering 129 uh, addresses during his his Wednesday addresses um, as Pope on the the importance of the the body in our faith. You know, the incarnation because people had it so twisted that on the it's such a divisive um, topic that on the one hand you know we have some people who are like the body is everything the body you know sex is everything so you should have sex with whoever you want it should be amazing and you know Hugh Hefner says well we should be able to look at anybody's body you know nakedness should be something that you can purchase anywhere and everywhere Um, and on the other side you have you know Puritans who are like no it's bad it's only in the context of, of marriage for babies other than that, you better not show any any uh, ankle skin uh, because that itself is a sin. And so, you know, Puritans on the one hand are like the, you know, spirit is good, but the body is bad. We must fight the temptations for fleshy, you know, desires. And the other ones are like, no, no, take those desires and just consume everything and, you know, like um, make yourself fat on those desires because those desires are, are good. And, and the problem is, you know, that um, they both are right to some degree, right? Um, but it's such a divisive uh, topic because it is such a strong symbol or icon of the image of God. And those very, very strong icons, um, the you know, the great power that they have can sometimes uh, cause great destruction, which causes people to go in one of two, you know, ways. Either they, you know, are burned by it and they think that, you know, they need to run far, far away from it, um, or they've been burned because they've been pushed so far away from it, or they've been told that they, you know, were supposed to be so far away from it, and they got a little taste, and they realized, like, you know, wow, no, wait a second, they're wrong, there's something good about it, 
And then they try to indulge themselves and just, you know, um, again, make that instead of making it, um, allowing it to be an icon that points them to something greater, they settle for the sign itself. Um, and so fatherhood, same thing, right? Uh, Jesus is not saying that we can't have fathers, that we, you know, we shouldn't call our priests a father. What he's saying is that we should not, or we should uh, recognize that these are not the ultimate father. These signs, these icons that we have, those are not the things that we're meant to treat like God, that we're, that we're not meant to treat and, you know, worship these things. You're not supposed to worship sex. That's not supposed to become your, you know, uh, your whole life uh, mission and goal that everything revolves around that. Your priest should not be your everything. You know, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be the case that, um, you know, your every waking uh, desire is to please the priest and make sure that they're happy and do exactly what they tell you, you know, in every kind of, like, no, 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 no. E even your father, even your, your biological father, even your spouse, if you never have a disagreement with your wife or your, your, your husband, I, something's wrong, right? Like if you never have tension where you have to push and challenge each other, something's wrong. If you never have a point where, you know, you uh, pray to God and say, Lord, you know, what should I do in this situation? Because you already talked to your wife and she told you what to do. Something's wrong, right? It's not about the things themselves. It's how we use them. It's the application of those things. If we use them or if we allow them to point us, you know, towards what they're intended to, uh, you know, convey to us or what they're intended to be an image of, you know, then they can do us great good. But if we think that they themselves are going to give us all the answers, that they are going to be, you know, the all, be all end all for our happiness, um, then that's when they become idols. And that's when, uh, you know, Jesus rightly steps in and says, you know, no, like um, in a, what do they call the, um, like uh, an extreme uh, sort of example, you know, you, you better not call any man, you know, a father because you have one father. Like, it's it's the uh what jesus is doing is he's he's making an extreme example to to demonstrate you know the separation between the two we cannot treat them like god because they're not god mm -hmm. you know um you have one god the uh i think the um you know the fruit the the you know the the benefit of the things that are supposed to image God is that if we learn how to apply them correctly, um, those things are intended to be the very things that enliven our faith that, you know, show us the great beauty and, you know, uh, love of God, it, a good father, a good mother who loves us conveys to us the love of God. And when we feel that love from them, then what we're feeling uh, is is you know a channel of the grace of god right you know that it this doesn't come directly just from them this is something that they are given i can't love my kids if i'm not you know first given love i i can't give them anything because i have to first receive life you know i'm not alive if i don't get life from god so so everything comes from god right but but when we experience love and when we love each other um, then what we're doing is we're being witnesses, we're being images, we're being icons. 
Um, and the family, we've talked about this before, and, and you know, you can throw some insight in here, I'm sure. Um, the family is, you know, an intense witness of the image of God. The family is an intense icon. And sexuality is meant to be, uh, you know, a very powerful, powerful part of that image because we understand God is a family, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Pope John Paul II, um, you know, very clearly states that these three, and it's not just Pope John Paul II, um, the church has always taught this, but these three have a familial relationship, you know, that, listen to this, okay, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father and Son, those two terms that, uh, you know, Jesus himself, because uh, again, there we go, it's not just Pope John Paul II, right? But Jesus himself, you know, uses to describe two persons of the Trinity, you know, of of the family of God, they're, they're familial terms, father and son. It's meant to demonstrate the type of relationship that they have. You know, of course, they're not human. Um, but in our family, you know, through our sexuality, a, a man and a woman can love each other and express such a powerful and intimate love that they bring forth life. And when they do that and others recognize that and they say, wow, that is a man who loves his wife, and that is a woman who loves her husband. Uh, and then they they see the powerful witness of the creation of another person, of new life. You know, then that that is the most powerful witness of God. When we experience a good family, then I think you know everybody you know sort of has an attraction to that, wouldn't you say? You know that yeah, definitely. And actually, you made me think something. Um... It's good. It's my, it's my job. Something something that I can't speak to is how how do you view fatherhood differently now that you are a father? Oh man, okay. I'll tell you in like one sentence, okay? This is like my this has been my my teaching anthem of my last couple of talks and I realized because I I start talking and then I get uh I, as I'm speaking, you know, in the middle of a a, a live talk, you know, sometimes I'm not even, I had, I didn't prepare to, to say something like, you know, oh yeah, you know, let me tell you about my kids and I'll show, I'll demonstrate through an example. And then I'm like, I started realizing like, oh man, I've been using all these examples. <laughs> and then I, you know, finally I was like, you know what? Okay. Here's, here's my new anthem. I, at my last couple of talks, I pointed this out. I was like, I, I'm now, I recognize this now. If you want to learn anything, you know, uh, about theology, if you want to learn about God, either become a parent, so have a child, or take care of a child, you know, so you can either have your own child and try to raise them, or you can, you know, help to take care of another child, you know, um, of course, if you're married through adoption, or you can, if you have like um, nieces and nephews or, or friends who have kids or whatever, or go to an orphanage or, you know, uh, a hospital and spend some time with children spend some real time, not just like one time, you know, but really go and spend time with children because they will teach you everything you need to know um, about <laughs> faith. I'm being very serious that when you, if you want to learn about God, who is a father, you know, you have, you try to be a father, you will figure everything out. Like, I mean, if you really pour your, your heart and soul into it, you'll figure it all out because like, here's a good example, right? Um, our youngest son, he's almost two years old. Uh, I was cracking up just the other day because we have this, um, this stool, you know, it's like, I'm sitting on it right now, but it's like, um, I don't know, like 
two and a half, maybe three feet off the ground, whatever it is, it's only slightly like taller than him or whatever. So he had like gotten on it, climbed on it, and then he was trying to get off of it. And he was trying to get off and holding on to the stool and his feet were dangling off the floor. And I kid you not, they were that far from the floor. His feet were so close. I mean, he just had to let go and he, and you know, half an instant, his feet would have been on the ground already, but he was holding on to it. And he was like, ah, 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 ah. And I'm like, dude, you're, you're right there. Just, just let go. And he's like, ah, ah. And I'm like, you have no idea. I wish I could show you like how hilarious this is. Uh, hilarious this is. He's like, you just got to let go, buddy. Like, trust me. Like you're right there. You think that you're, you're in this dire position. You think that like you're about to lose it all. And you how know, many like, times is God just like, dude, just put your feet here. Just let go. Just let me, ha- you know, you're good to go. Like I'll catch you if you somehow or you know, fall from an inch off the floor. Uh, but like, you're just totally fine. Like those kinds of things. I see that all the time and I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. You know? Um, but, but seriously, like that's cause, cause now as I'm trying to teach my kids, you know, I, one of the things I tell them all the time is, you know, if you listen to me, I can protect you. I need you to understand this. When I tell you something, it's because like, I know things that you don't know. Okay. And if you, if you just trust me and you listen, then you won't get hurt, you know, or whatever. Like the things that I'm telling you to do are to prevent some crazy thing that I know will probably happen. So if you, if you listen to me, then I can protect you. But the problem is if you don't listen, I can't protect you. You're going to, you know, something's going to happen. Um, most likely exactly what I envisioned, you know, because that's why I told you not to do it or, or told you to do this thing. And I'm just like, I, I repeat that over and over and over. And that's one thing that I, I realized And, you know, in my own relationship, whenever I'm thinking, uh, you know, that, oh, God, I wish I had, you know, this, you know, job or like, I wish I could go uh, full time and do ministry right now. Like, why isn't this working out or whatever? And it's like, you know, well, you know, just trust me, like what I need you to do right now is go join the military. Like, what? (laughs) You know, like, so I, I start to think that like, okay, if I can you know, get my kids to understand this, the the more that I like repeat it to them, I'm some, I'm accidentally, you know, evangelizing myself. I'm teaching myself, you know, because the things that, that echo in my mind and heart that I'm like, Oh, I, w- I want to make sure that my kids know this because, you know, like how can I help them to make sure that they know that I love them, but I need them to listen. Like, how do I do that? And as I'm thinking about that and I'm like, okay, yeah, let me go tell them this. I go sit down and we tell them that. And then I'm like, okay, as soon as I'm reflecting on my own life, you know, I, I think about the things that I just told my kids and I'm like, okay, I could probably use my own advice there, you know? And then we start reading, a, uh, you know, something from the Bible and some story, some, you know, teaching that I had just, or like something that I always tell them, right. Comes out and I'm like, look, isn't that, you know, what, um, isn't that what, you know, I, I'm, I'm Poppy, right? Like, isn't that what Poppy always says to you guys? And they're like, yeah, that's what you teach us. But then I'm like, wait a second, but this Bible is not meant for my kids only, right? This is meant for us. Like these stories are meant to teach all of us. Um, and if God is our father and we are his children, then what amazing context that gives to the, you know, the, um, uh, to the, uh, you know, Bible quote that, you know, where Jesus says, uh, you must have faith like children. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that 
you know, that means that we must be like kind of like um, innocent, like we don't know bad things, right? Or, you know, like uh, you you act like children, like you're just, you're silly and immature, like have as many babies as you can possibly have because that's just, you just, just do it kind of thing, right? Um, but in reality, I think that, you know, the meaning of life, if it's to have faith like children, and that's what gets us to heaven, um, is in a, in a sense, um, that means that, you know, you must trust like a child because when I have my two-year-old and I'm holding him like this, you know, and I like throw him back and let him go. And he's like, Whoa. And I catch him every time, you know, he loves it. He laughs. He thinks it's hilarious and hysterical. Um, and I have to be careful that sometimes I'm not holding him. And he just like initiates the game. He's like, he's not looking, you know, um, cause I don't want him to fall. But anyway, but you get my point, right? Like every time I throw him down like that, or if I throw him in the air, he loves it because he knows I'm going to catch him every time. That's the amount of trust that he has in me. And, you know, they all have that kind of trust in me. And when I experience the way that they trust me, then it encourages me to move my heart towards, you know, a greater trust for God. Um, they witness to me. They teach me how to be, you know, a better Christian. Um, and that to me is, is the meaning of life. I think that, uh, you know, Famously, Protestants, you know, say like, you must believe in God to be saved, you know, straight out of the Bible. And, you know, um, I think to some degree, like they got it, they hit the nail on the head almost because it's true, you know, we must believe, but not just the way that you believe in uh, the existence of God, um, but the way that you believe when, you know, um, you, you believe in somebody like you have confidence in them, right? So like if a father says to his son, you know, who's about to, I don't know, play a championship basketball game, he's like, I believe in you. I know you can do this. You know, I'm I'm confident in you. I believe in you. What he's saying is not, I believe in your existence. Like, I believe that, you know, you are here and you're about to go to the game. Like, I, I can see and observe all these things and I believe that it is happening. That's not what the father is saying. What he's saying is, I believe in you, and I know you can do it. I have faith in you. Whoa, wait a second here, right? I believe in you. I have faith in you. Those are basically the same thing. And when we talk about belief, I think too often we we limit it to uh, existence. Like, you know, I, I we, we say it like I observe this, right? And what, what we really are intended to do when we say, you know, believe in God, you'll be saved is have faith, believe in the sense of confidence. Cause if you think about it, the word confidence is broken up into two Latin, you know, words. Um, and in Spanish, you know, we have con or con, right. Which means, you know what that means? San Antonian. Yep. So it means with and fide in Latin means faith, confidence, con, con fide. So to be with faith is to have confidence and confidence doesn't mean that you're arrogant and you just, you know, like I have these abilities and look what I can do. Confidence means that while I don't know, I believe. While I don't know, I trust. That is my confidence in you. A, a father has, you know, have the ability to foresee the future and say, I already know you're going to win the championship. I can, I saw it happen. You know what I mean? What he's saying is I have confidence. I have faith in you. I believe in you. And that's the kind of faith, like a child that we're called to um, in God, who is our father. 
I have faith that if I throw myself back, you will catch me. You know, that if I fall, if I'm that far off the ground and you tell me to let go, okay, then I'll let go. Right. Um, and that, that's the importance of fatherhood. And this is why we need priests because priests, um, perform, you know, that function as pastor of the flock at our church, you know, in the, in the family of God, you know, we have these little families where, you know, me, my wife and my kids. And then we have the family of God, you know, the community. Um, where we all come together and we are one, we are one body, one Lord of all, right? Um, <laughs> and so, uh, as a Catholic song, if you didn't get it, then you know, inside baseball, inside Catholic baseball. Um, but uh, anyway, especially for those, you know, who come from broken families and who didn't have that father growing up, um, then we need, you know, the the church needs fathers, good priests. Uh, to step into that role, you know, to to be there for people who need, you know, somebody to to counsel them, who they can come to and say, you know, Father, I, you know, I'm trying, I don't know what to do here. And the priest can get on them and say, well, you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. Or, you know, oh, your problem is that, you know, you just, you know, you're too selfish or something like that. But then they also need that same priest to say, but, you know, you have a God who loves you and I love you. And you know what? Come here. Like, don't worry about it. Try again. Don't get down on yourself. Just try again. Like we, we need that in the church because, you know, God doesn't just call us as fathers to do that uh, to our own kids, biological children. He calls us to do that to others. You know, like uh, I am called to be that for others. You know, sometimes I encounter people who need a, you know, a little kick in the butt, but also who need a little affection and Hey, don't worry about it. Like, you know, you can do this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, in the church, we absolutely need somebody who is trained in theology and who has the charisms of the church given to them, you know, to forgive sins and um, to consecrate the Eucharist and to break open the scriptures and teach us and all that stuff. We need that also, uh, you know, from the church. And uh, God just so happened to, uh, you know, give us fathers to do that because that's what fathers do best. That's what they're supposed to do. So. Sorry, I didn't, I just ran away with it. No, Did that you? was good. <laughs> Don't apologize. That was good. So that's all I got. That's really, that was like, I just exhausted everything I know about fatherhood. <laughs> just kidding. But see, that, that's, you see it in a way that I can't. So thanks for telling all of us who are not fathers how you see it. Yeah, but, um, you know, I, we'll we'll sign off on this because I think that this is something that is also, you know, needs to be said. While fathers do have this unique calling, um, it, like written into our, our bodies, you know, our very biology, right? Um, this is not something that's only for men and it's not something that's only for fathers. This is something that everybody is supposed to have. As a, as a man, you know, uh, as a father... I'm called to be a witness of this to others, to the world, not just to my wife and my children, but to others so that they can understand and recognize the importance of those same capabilities. Just like with my wife, I take on from her, you know, um, she, she witnesses to me the um, need and the beauty of being vulnerable, uh, you know, of her emotion, um, of being open, you know, not thinking that she knows everything all the time. And that's my problem. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I have all the answers. I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll do it by myself. No, whatever, you know, don't, I don't need to ask for help. Um, you know, sometimes 
I need to look at her and be reminded, you know, of her great, you know, charisms of, of receptivity and openness and, you know, uh, humility and allowing herself to be led because I'm also called to that, right? Uh, just like in, you know, Ephesians 5, uh, St. Paul says, you know, husbands and wives, you know, submit to each other. And then uh, this is controversial. I get it. And maybe this is a you know, dumb thing to bring it up at the end of, of a, a show because I'm sure there's a lot more to be said that uh, we'll either be here for a lot longer um, or people are going to be like, wait, what? what? But then maybe we can do the next show on that. Uh, but in Ephesians 5, right after he says, you know, husband's wife um, submit to each other, he says, wives submit to your husbands. And then why, uh, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, that's controversial because then people say, well, wait a second. You're saying that, you know, a wife's job is to submit herself to her husband. Well, if in the word submit, we look at it from the perspective of, you know, and I know Christopher West likes to, I like the breakdown that he, you know, uses um, sub to be under and, you know, submission um, to be under the mission of the husband, meaning, you know, you, you allow yourself to be led. Um, that is not a bad thing. And in fact, that's something that everybody needs to be able to do. Nobody can be a leader unless they're first willing to be led, right? The best leaders are first the best followers. And if you can't follow, then you can't lead, uh, you know, so women have a have a special gift where they witness that openness and that receptivity. So that vulnerability that women have naturally is something that they're they're meant to witness to men. Um, but then men, as leaders, eating that men have it easier and have it have the better you know job here. Men as leaders, after you know Jesus, uh, after Saint Paul says, you know, women submit to your husbands. Then he says, and husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So in other words, you will serve her. You will serve her the way that Christ served his church. Yes, your job is to lead. You know, you will be given the charisms to, you know, to be strong and to, you know, to teach or what have you. But you're supposed to do that in the role of a servant. And a servant says, if you listen to me, I can protect you because my job is to protect you, not to rule over you, not to dominate you, to protect you. So when I am given the authority that I'm given, you know, to say, here's what we're going to do is we're going to protect you. You know, my mission, it's like, you know, saving private Ryan, right? Um, actually, this is something our, our pastor brought up or uh, I think our deacon at, at church, you know, recently. So it's kind of a cool um, coincidence here. But if you haven't seen, seen saving private Ryan, you know, the whole movie is about a, a family of soldiers who are killed in World War II. And a mom lost all her sons, I think like two or three other sons. So they they all died in the war except for one of them. And he's, you know, private, private Ryan. And so, uh, you know, the Pentagon or whatever, you know, some higher up says, I'm not going to let this mom lose all of her sons in the war, you know, all at once. So we're going to save this private Ryan. So he sends a detail, you know, with an officer and some other um, team members and their entire mission is to go find this private Ryan and bring him home, take him out of the war, out of the war zone and protect him. And a bunch of them die doing that. And he doesn't want to go right at first. He doesn't want to go. And they said, no, my job, you're going to listen to me and you're going to, you know, come with me because my job is to protect you. And the, the crazy thing about that is they are in a position of authority. This is a private 
And that private is supposed to follow orders, right? And their orders or his orders are you get behind me, you know, get on my back because I have been told to bring you home. That is my job. And I will die doing that job because that is what I was told to do to put myself in front of you in front of the, the, you know, the, uh, line of bullets and to bring you home. And if I don't do that and you die on my watch, then it's a failure on my part. I have failed my mission. And that is the role of a husband and a father, right? Um, not to dominate and rule with authority, uh, but to serve and protect. And I can't serve and protect unless I'm able to lead at the same time. But women, um, I mean, men also have to take the, the, you know, um, uh, you know, the cue and the witness from women and recognize that, you know, while we are primarily called, you know, as men to be leaders, um, we are also the other half, just as important called to be like women and have that, you know, vulnerability and the ability to lead or follow, because if we can't turn around and follow what God is telling us to do, then we can't turn the other way and lead um, others to where God is calling uh, you know, us to lead them, right? So we must first take our orders from God and turn around and attempt to lead. But if we can't follow, um, then we'll never be able to do that. So we have to take that witness from women. But women also have to take that, you know, while they might naturally, you know, be able to, um, you know, to follow really well and to, to execute on stuff, they also need to take the witness of a man and learn how to lead because then they need to turn around and do what? Lead their kids, right? They need to learn how to be disciplinary and they need to learn how to, you know, lay down the law with their kids and say, hey, no, no, you will listen to me. You will respect me because, you know, I protect you. That's my job. So women also have the same, you know, we all share uh, in these responsibilities together um, because we're all part of a team. So our goal is to win together and we play different roles um, primarily, but at the end of the day, we all need to have a little bit of what each other has. And that's, you know, what marriage, um, that's the the beauty of marriage is that we get to share these gifts with each other. And there are times when she's, Diane's just, you know, she steps up because she has the, um, she's just naturally better at certain things than I am. Like, you know, when the kids are running they fall down and they hit their knee and they start crying, I'm like, get up. Like you just, come on, you just hit your knee. And like, you know, sometimes like she'll go over there and she'll be like, come on, you know, like she's only three and then she'll pick her up and hold her up and I get embarrassed. I'm like, you know, like, shoot, I, I guess I shouldn't, you know, like sometimes it's okay. Like I am like that, but sometimes I realize like I'm always like that. And I'm like, I, I need to take a cue from Diane and I need to be a little bit more like her today. And other times, um, you know, she, I, I can't say like, when, if ever, because it's probably almost never completely rare that she ever needs to be more like me, but there's probably sometimes, um, and you know, I will say like, <laughs> I will say in the, in this, uh, case of discipline, you know, when sometimes I'm like, no, 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 don't let them off the hook. Like, you know, you need to stick to your guns and make, and she was like, okay, fine. You know, like we, we help each other. We witness to each other. But the thing is that if I'm not in my marriage, if I'm not building up in myself, the qualities um, in her that I love and vice versa. If she's not building up in herself, the qualities in me that she loves, um, then neither one of us are becoming better Christians. Cause if I stay good at what I'm good at, then great. But if I stay bad at what I'm bad at, then not great. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's my, my, I just realized, you know, sorry, very long 
sign off there. So <laughs> we should definitely and talk Val. more about that dynamic on the next show. I think that should be our next topic. Uh, which one is that? The the how much more I need to be like that? Ephesians five dynamic. Oh, okay. How yeah, we complement each other. That's a good topic. Yeah. So, um, Val, just to also recognize, you know, another one of our very loyal and very awesome contributors uh, says, uh, whoa, man, she said a lot of things. So, oh, wait, no. She said the same thing three times, which might be a glitch in, in my in the software, or she might just be like super fast typing and so fast that she didn't realize that she had already said it. And by the time she realized, she was like, oh, I've already written it three times. Uh, sorry. Anyway, so she said, I like how you added not to dominate. I think people, when they hear women submit to your husbands, they automatically assume the latter uh, is dominated. And she says, it all comes down the way you say things to children. So I agreed. So thank you, Val and Latrell, for your participation. They're always very cooperative and interactive. Very. Yeah. So, um, and also thank you, Alicia, for your... Um, constant uh, presence and adaptability. I know that my life is usually really crazy and hectic and you're, you're always kind of just, uh, you know, there to, to be there when I need you. And I appreciate that because you, you bring a lot to the show. So uh, thanks for that. On a Tuesday. But on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, we're going up on a Tuesday, but um, going up to church, I think. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Thanks, Alicia. Okay. Talk Bye, to you guys. There.